Hello everybody and welcome back to Chapter Tactics, where we talk about tactics and strategies for both new and veteran players alike. I am Magikarp Fly, and you will notice that there is no video to complement this podcast for today. Uh, I am feeling a little bit underneath the weather. Uh... You know, work, uh, doing stuff for BAO, all that stuff, uh, going off of like just a couple of hours of sleep that you could count on your two hands, it, it'll, it'll get to you. So, uh, yeah, that's why we don't have a video because I look absolutely disgusting and vile. And so do my co-hosts for today. Uh, speaking of uh, disgusting and vile, we've got Scary coming in. Aren't we all technically under the weather? What is that? What does that mean? I don't get it. You know, the weather being on top of us. Oh, clouds, I see. Like, if it's like a layer. Stuff. You know, just saying. It's, it's a Other good one. Well, <laughs> well, actually, Scary, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, push, I don't... push those glasses up closer <laughs> to your face while you say that to me, Yeah, Adam Camilleri. <laughs> that's as good a segue as I'll ever need. Hello, I'm here. This is me. <laughs> Man, that's great. Just one, one co-host introducing the next co-host. I love it. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Uh, so... Speaking of BAO, uh, we just came off the heel end of it. Adam, you casted like every single game, nine games in a row. Dude, how was that? It was a lot of fun, man. It was actually um, the format change I found surprisingly tenable. I thought I wouldn't be able to handle going back to one table after streaming two, three, four tables at a time at some events. I'd be like, oh no, I'm taking a step back. I'm, I'm My ADHD will not cope. I'll need to know what's happening here, there, and everywhere. And uh, no, it was actually fine. I, I quite enjoyed it. It was actually, I streamed for 27 odd hours and my throat was still intact afterwards. It was uh, impressive. No, it was... It was actually just talking less because we had the players mic'd, so we were coming mm -hmm. in and out of. Mm -hmm. So rather than me just feeling like I've got this burden of needing to give people a stream of consciousness from the table of my interpretation of what's going on, we just bounced into listening to the to what was happening, and then I'd recap it on the bottom on the uh, at the end of the turns, predict what I might, might see in the next one, bounce back to the players. It was it was exci an exciting change. I don't know which one I like better, but uh, I know this one was less work. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I'm going to say the beat, the players being mic'd, you know, I think that was a that was a good good change. It was I liked it. I liked being able to hear what the the players were saying and it was really nice having the commentators sort of like dive in at key points and kind of give commentary on what was specifically happening or a dice roll that was at, that had like was impactful for the game or or some sort of event to kind of highlight what was going on in the game. I, it was it was a good setup and I liked I liked how it was done. I've always been so you go, Matt. I've always been weird on that format, um, because like I mean, I, so I when I tried to when I was trying to get my head around how to shoutcast, and I was studying other shoutcasters, like there's no other game system that lets you hear the players. Like you know, there's no esport, there's no like StarCraft or LOL or um, where you actually hear the players as they're as they're talking. Like there's no sport either. Like you in NBA or NFL, you don't hear the players calling the shots really. You, sometimes you'll hear snippets and stuff. But um, and so from our point of view, I was like, well, should we do that or should we fall in line with everybody else? And I think this I think the consensus is we should just find our own way through this. There is no other format for us to follow. There's no footprint for casting a tabletop miniatures game so we should just kind of forge ahead but i'll say this format is only amazing until someone the player says something absolutely horrific yeah and we yeah. have to rethink everything yeah, yeah. it's I, I think like the only other sport that like comes close to it is like maybe poker right because poker oh, true yeah poker's a good call that, that would be like the only one that i could think of um but yeah so we have bao we're gonna dissect that um but on top of that scary also went to a gt this weekend isn't that right i did yeah it was um uh, at uh game night Le uh, game night leagues and it was in london ontario canada yeah it was uh, i think uh, a five round two day event it was really fun yeah i can't wait to break that down as well Awesome. So we'll be talking about that uh, where we'll open up with the results from BAO. Also, if you guys want to go check out the stream, um, it is available on the FLG uh, YouTube channel. You guys can go check that out. All of it is there um, to see what happened. And uh, after that, we're going to be breaking down basically just like the meta of what's happened so far. So much stuff has happened in like this month when it comes to 40k. We have Armor of Contempt and like as small of a change as it was on paper, it's like it it 
it changed up a lot of stuff. Um, we had like an FAQ with Tyranids, uh, lots of things going on right now. So we're going to dissect all of that um, in this episode. However, before we move on, just got to say that this show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you guys can get amazing game mats for not just your 40K games, but almost any tabletop game out there. Purchase miniatures at a discount and join some of the largest 40K events in the industry. They also have the largest 40K podcasting network in the business with shows like Signals from the Frontline, Chapter Tactics, which you're listening to right now, The Thursday Show with Adam Camillari, and so much more. That's frontlinegaming.org or you can click on the link in the description of all the social media goodies out there we've also got lvtt tickets coming up for sale this week including an awesome team package uh the package comes out to 240 dollars per team member and covers your two rooms in the venue with all fees event tickets for the team a bucket of beer and event-exclusive custom objective markers for each team member with your team's logo on them. And so, all in all, it's going to be saving you $200 per team. So go get that package. That's two rooms um, and a bucket of beer and your team's logo on your objective markers. That's that's pretty sick for... Does that mean you can, like, play bulb for apples in a bucket of beer yeah probably i i think that what happens is that you get all the miniatures on the table you just scoop them all off and then you just put the bucket down and then you just bob for bob for marines i think that's what happens <laughs> you have to get each individual dice from the bucket of beer with your mouth <laughs> yeah exactly um so i guess like to get this started let's first talk about uh the bao and what happened there um Going over the top eight, do you guys want me to tell you who the top eight was uh, and then move, over, I guess, onto the top 16 to get even more information? Yeah, cool. just in case uh, folks weren't uh, following along. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so for the BAO, first place, or I'll start I'll start from uh, I'll start from the from the eighth place. Eighth place, we've got Knights Renegade. That's Chaos Knights coming in with Ashton Frizzle. Uh, after that, we've got High Fleet Leviathan. That's Tyranids, ran by David... Uh, Hetherington? Hetherington. Uh, we got the Tau Empire, ran by Dustin Lane. After that, in fifth place, we got Tyranids, again, with my personal favorite name, Tyler Nutt. Uh, I love it. Uh, Tau Empire, as well, going in uh, into number four with Paul McKelvey. And then uh, Blood Angels with the one and only Steven Box from Vanguard Tactics coming in at third place. Uh, we got High Fleet Hydra, that's another Tyranids. Uh, also Vanguard Tactics coming in uh, at second place with Michael Costello. And then at first place, Jesse Cell with Sisters of Battle. Uh, first and foremost, Sisters of Battle, awesome that I took first place. But I think that, uh, Adam, you probably have more information on this, on uh, on how much of a fairy tale ending that was for the BAO with Jesse winning. Yeah, there were, there just seemed to be this air of destiny about Jesse uh, playing. Take nothing away from the man, played a phenomenal game, phenomenal run. Uh, in all honesty, you, you can't say people were saying that his list wasn't as optimized as it could be. I tend to agree. I don't think it matters. I think you get to a certain level of proficiency and goodness in a list that optimizing only adds like one percenters. Um, Jesse played phenomenally. He played a, a real who's who of the event as well. He, he ran the gamut multiple, you know, into Tau, into Nids, um, all over the place. Uh knocked off Stephen Box, who up until playing Jesse was the only undefeated player of the event. Like if this was a two-day event, Stephen Box was the winner. Like if you just tally scores after six games, Stephen Box was the only undefeated player. Cutting to a top eight, Jesse ran the gauntlet, managed to knock off Stephen, managed to knock off another Vanguard Taxis player in Mr. Costello, who was playing the the High Fleet Hydra list, which I'm a, such a fan of, by the way. Like, wah. Um... Uh, but Jesse, if for those of you who don't know, was an extremely close friend of uh, Jeff in control Robinson, who was the last winner of the BAO. Um, and Jesse was stated at during the the award ceremony he was there when Jeff passed, and it feels like there was just this air of this Jesse was going to win this through destiny come high hella high water, he was going to do whatever he had to do to win this event, and he did, and it was absolutely amazing fairy tale ending, um, and which we should, as a community we should just be so happy that these things can occur these tales and stories uh, that become lexicons become urban legends can just occur on any given day, you know, um, a beautiful ending to an amazing event. Yeah, it was a uh, it was absolutely awesome uh, seeing that happen in real time, especially coming in um, as like a person that uh, hasn't been around in the scene for a very long time, and like hearing these fairy tale endings, you know, um, it really does uh, just just makes the it makes the competitive scene feel more alive, right? And it's not just like numbers and 
uh, armies winning all the time. There's like actual stories behind these uh, behind these events, and uh, it, it's it's really really nice. Um, I also want to add on that Jesse uh, going up against Stephen Box. That game was a absolute nail biter. You guys should go check oh. it out. Uh, I think like the final score, the differential was one point, and that was it. So close. Such a close game. Every single game was so close. So good. So good. Um, yeah, it ended up being 89 to 90, Jesse's way by one point. If you ever want to go back and watch one game where the gentleman just decided to put on a show, like they could have played a little, they probably could have played a more tactical, more tight game. They're like, no, this is Bloody Rose versus Blood Angels. There will be violence. Corn wins this day. Send it in, boys. And it was amazing to see. Amazing to yeah. be there for that one, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Also, lots of uh, really good sportsmanship. Um, there is so much good sports. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, like uh, on all the top tables, every single one that we streamed, everybody was just so on point with sportsmanship, uh, saying, oh, yeah, I know that's what you were trying to do, playing by intent, all that good stuff. If you guys want to know how uh, pro play is like, if you guys are ever scared about it, like, oh, there's just going to be a lot of tryhards, people are going to gotcha me, uh, that is not the case uh, when at the top tables. Like, you know, uh, when you play against, like, those good people, uh, you know, it's just it's one of the best games of 40k that you can possibly play yeah it's usually it's something that i find a lot is the top tables at events tend to be some of the most amicable games you'll ever play because both players are just highly confident and highly like like chill yeah you yeah. know i find that there a lot of the a lot of the, the 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 worry of getting to a top event if you really see top people playing they'll be like yeah that's fine you can do this you can do that because everybody's just so relaxed and uh, that tends to be more often than not. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to point out here, uh, this is like, this was a final or the top eight. It was filled with uh, not just like one faction as well. Like we have a nice mix of factions uh, in this. You know, you got uh, Chaos Knights coming in as well. Uh, you yeah. have some Tyranids. You got some Tau. You have Blood Angels. Um, and you have Sisters. Like it, it, it actually felt like a pretty healthy uh, uh, top eight comparatively to what we had like maybe two three weeks ago um what do you why do you guys yeah, think that that happened there's one bigger mission here and the fact that there was zero eldar as in no drakari no asirani no eldari no harlequins there was zero eldar in the top eight which is a big surprise um definitely this... a big surprise considering hail the doom eldar is mm -hmm. like is taking people's numbers yeah <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, I think it's the second best list in the game, or best uh, second best archetype in the game, um, almost definitively. Even I think even um, the the stats are saying that specifically for that list. Um, but and so this this uh, was 158 players registered. I'm not sure if it. I think it hit around between 120, 140 somewhere in there uh, on for round one, as in that many people rocked up, and 19 tower players in attendance, 12 uh, tyranny players in attendance. And I thought um, I, I've long been of the opinion that uh, player place terrain really advantages um, gunline armies. As in, as long as you, you can make sure you have protection plus at least one, if not two, good firing lanes onto objectives in, in your from your deployment zone. And so I expected to see more Tau than anything else, but we ended up with, what, three Tyranids, two Tau, one Renegade Knights, one Sisters, one Blood Angels. Um, amazing to see that uh, really good players, well-versed players with you know, air quotes, suboptimal factions can still crack a top eight. Uh, wait and see where the, the level is on Renegade Knights, though, because I'm starting to be quite terrified of what they can do. Yeah, the, 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 I guess the trigger word that I heard like all weekend at the BAO was the word abominant. Um, I don't know what that <laughs> is. I don't know what that means, but all I heard was unkillable, the very abominant. specific knight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a Chaos Knight that is a Psyker that uh, has a five-up feel-no-pain with a psychic power. And, yeah. yeah. It also has some access to some really cool stratagems and some really good weapons and profiles. Uh, all in all, it's a key part to the... You know, that and the... I think it, the, he had a secondary Knight in there as well. But then... Uh, but it, the Abominant is a fantastic, fantastic yeah. addition to the, Chaos Knight. 
build. The two the two spicy pieces of tech there is that you put uh, Favor of the Dark Gods on it, and then you don't get to re-roll against it at all. So no rerolls to hit to wound. Um, I'm not sure if it's rerolls to damage. I'd have to check, you know. Yeah, also it. damage. But, uh, it's everything. It's like full custody stratagem goodness mm -hmm. on a knife. Permanently. Ooh. Permanently. Um, and oh, then permanently? when it gets to... Oh, oh yeah, for oh, the whole Whoa. Game. Oh yeah. And, but wait, there's more. There's the steak knives of this set. If it gets ten kills, once it's killed ten things, it then can only be ten hit wounds. on floors. Ten wounds worth of things. Oh, it's ten wounds. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. You do need to get the kill yeah. on the thing that gives you the ten wounds. Like you don't get the four of the five wounds of a five wound thing, but if you get the fifth wound, you get all five if you dealt all five. Um that's correct, yeah? Uh it you just have to kill ten wounds worth of models. That's what I thought, yeah. Yep. Um, and then you can only hit it on fours without any rerolls. Whoa! And, like, human hit roll, yeah. Yes, and then, so it can only be hit on fours, you get no rerolls, they'll rotate for a four-up invulnerable save um, against shooting attacks, and then you, uh, then it gets a five-up feel no pain if it gets a psychic power off. There are a lot of ways to undo that knot, as in, just kill it. Turn one. First, first thing you do is kill the abominant before it is stopping you, making you hit on fours and have the feel no pain up. Deny the feel no pain, um, and then it's very susceptible to mortal wounds, um, especially if you're doing mortal wounds outside the psychic phase. Um, in addition, it doesn't shoot that good. If you're not letting it charge you, it's not terrifying. It's good, but it's not like it's going to break your back. It's going to break your back if you let it uh, psychic do damage in the psychic phase, in the shooting phase, in the charge phase. If you let it activate at all times against you, it will mold you to bits. Man, it sounds like a mechanized flying hive tyrant. I I love it. Like that sounds so cool. I, I feel like that that's like it's nice to have because like knights have always been you know uh, they they've had like the short end of the stick for a while now compared you know for ninth edition. So get, giving them like this one monster unit i feel like is absolutely awesome i love it I, I can't wait to get it myself like raffle stomp by it it sounds great yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of fun knights are just a lot of fun um i will caveat that because uh the more i'm reading and learning about renegade knights the more i think they might be the true gatekeeper army of ninth edition when it's all said and done they have this well see i'm not sure the imperial knights are um, but I, the Renegade Knights definitely are. So there's a mechanic that the Renegade Knights have. And it's the kind of mechanic we have seen being taken away from armies wholesale in Ninth Edition. And it's what I'll air quotes again, say is a feel-bads mechanic, which is the Dread Test. Um, I, we called the first game yep. the first game of the first game of BAO, we called a game of Orcs versus Renegade Knights, because we're like, cool, big stompy fun game, let's start the let's start the event on a high. And then the knights got into dread range and it turns out that orcs have horrifically bad leadership across the board, failed all their dread tests and literally couldn't do anything. All their charges yep. were halved. Two, they yep. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> the dread test is like it's a really fun well it's a very iconic mechanic. They gave them this mm. really cool thing where they have a pride free chart thing that they can kind of build build a bear the mechanics that they want their army to sort of like have in this sort of aura, right, called dread. It's a 12-inch bubble around knights that can extend further than that, but normally it's 12 inches. And yeah, the main way to do it is with that, what Adam is saying, the, um, the charge and the fight one, you know, you want to charge any knight, you have to basically take a dread test. If you fail that leadership test, you your charge roll is halved, right? Turning a 6-inch charge into a 12-inch charge, making it almost impossible to charge these knights, right? Um, you know, if you're within dread range and you want to shoot the knight that's not the closest, you have to take a test. And if you fail the test, you are forced to shoot the closest visible knight, like the closest knight you can shoot. Um, so it allows the, the Chaos Knight player to sort of like rotate their knights and put unwounded ones at the front and wounded ones in the back. And and then there's leadership modifiers that you can throw onto that too. So there's like, there's there like are lot lots of, of ways yeah. to mess with leadership. And, and it is, as Adam says, a feel bad. Like imagine dropping down, you're like, I'm going to charge you with the Sanguinary Guard unit or something and be like oh and i i rolled a you know a 10 on two dice and you know whatever uh now i can't charge you yeah all right well you know i don't i don't want to focus too much on knights uh we could save that for a future episode uh but it is interesting um i i have yet to read the codex so i, I still need to figure out like what's going on there but it sounds like it's a it's going to be pretty nasty um 
But, uh, Skari, how about you tell us, like, how your GT went? And we can kind of compare that with uh, how the BAO went and see uh, see kind of, like, where the meta is sitting at right now. Absolutely. Well, my GT was really fun. Uh, there was a good spread of players and skill levels there. Uh, we did have quite a few Team Canada um, members at the event as well. So I knew it was bound to be, a like, a hard-fought tournament, especially in the later rounds. And... Um, I took a rack spam list. So nasty. Took... You're a dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't a Manny rack spam list. So it wasn't, you know, 180 racks. It was 110 racks. Oh, it makes it and... so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but I was running the new army of renown for Coven. Um, the, that would, that just came out um, in the new campaign book. And it was really fun. I literally just moved a hundred models up the table, sat them on objectives, and watched my opponent pull their hair out as they just couldn't score primary points. And it was mm-hmm. fantastic. You, um, you know, um, <laughs> I think at BAO, uh, John from uh, Tabletop Titans also brought uh, the army of the new army of renowned Jakari list. Uh, what, mm-hmm. Can can you give people like a rundown of exactly what that is for people that don't know what you get out of that? Well, a hundred percent. You could also head on over to my YouTube channel and watch the review. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, but it's basically an a Drakari army that is just coven units and um, and uh, blades for hire. So you can use mandrakes, you can use incubi, things like that. And the army in itself has access to some really f- cool stratagems, some pregame stratagems, some uh, that increase the strength of your weapons and make your poison better, some during the game stratagems, which are very powerful. One of my favorite being in my charge phase, I can pick a unit in combat with any of my units, and on a 2+, plus, I just remove their objective secured if they have it. Oh, what? So wait, on a 2+, plus? so you have to roll for yeah. it? I roll for it. It's what, one what's the range point. on it? It's engagement range. Oh, okay, okay. But I mean, it's in my charge phase, and then they lose their opsec until my next charge phase. So not only having 110 objective secured bodies on the table running around on objectives, me being able to say shut off objective secured means it's like really hard to score points into this list. Right? And that's just one of the really cool tricks that they have. Um, oh, the main... mm-hmm. Sorry, there you go. Keep going. The main thing they have, though, is as soon as the units go under 50% strength, their 5-up shrug, so their 5, their roll, usually roll on a 5-plus to ignore damage. As soon as they go under 50% strength, when you target them, um, their shrug goes to a 4-plus. Oh, what? So, yeah, oh, yeah. So, you, you start with 20 racks, or, you know, whatever, and your opponent shoots them over the shooting phase, and eventually they'll get to nine racks left in the unit, and now those last nine are almost twice as hard to get rid of as the first <laughs> of them. <laughs> they, just become, they just become an un- what, what, uh, a great unclean one, but just, like, multiples of them? Correct. That's um, awesome. Okay. Yeah. What's really cool is you can make, as soon as you kill something in combat, you can spend a command point to give the unit that killed something a four-plus feel no pain as well and by feel no pain i mean a four plus shrug so you don't have to wait for the units to get small you can send them in to kill something and then use the command point to make them a 20 strong unit with a four up feel no pain or like a unit of grotesques for example with a four up feel no pain or you know it works even with the incubi i could run a unit of 10 incubi have them go run in and murder something and then uh, get a four up shrug on top of that as well That sounds I awesome. You, I was going to ask you how many times you managed to pull that off, as in getting the kill and using the shrug. Were you able to do it every turn? Because that was what I thought would be the, the ceiling on the list. If you could manage to engineer getting two or three across the game for yeah. up on your terms, rather than having to get it reactively mm-hmm. when your stuff dies, that would mean the, the list is good. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because a lot of the times people are sending, like, you know, if if they go first or whatever, they need a stranglehold, they'll send, I don't know, your cyber up or they'll send like a little unit up to like take an objective in the middle of the board or whatnot that's like the worst thing you can do against this list you give me something that is easy to kill and my big unit just got a four up drug for the rest of the game yeah right or when folks would try and charge in to kill a unit or tie it up in combat a i could kill them uh, and then get it in their turn which would be really good 
And B, the entire army gets fullback and charge for free. Like all the coven. Whoa, what? Yeah. They just... So you, so <laughs> you just can't tie them down. They're just going to be running wherever they want and charging whatever they want. It's it's So all in all, it was a very different... It was a very different list that I was used to playing with. And... Um, and but it was really fun, and it just it played really well into the meta. Like I played into Death Guard, and it was great to just be like, oh, those your Terminators that have objective secured, not anymore, you know. Um, it was great to go into. Um, I played into Knights, you know, and the Knights killed. I want to say fifty racks in a single turn, like they just they they killed so much stuff. But I was able to stop them from scoring points by wrapping Knights and doing some shenanigan mm. tricks and I was able to win that game as well. And then then I got to test it into Harlequins, right? So I got to test into light Harlequins. Uh, and I got I got too aggressive and then lost the game by like 20 points. So not a terrible loss in terms of WTC format. And then I went into a game against a dark Harlequin player and I ended up winning that game like, you know, by 40 points or so. So you know, I, I applied what I learned, and so there's a lot of potential in this style list. But the meta itself, Tyranids, Space Marines were up there. Like, we saw a Salamander player going around with, like, Assault Centurions. Like, five mm -hmm. Assault Centurions, you know, with, like, Flamers just loving the fact that nobody could reroll wounds against him. And just, like, just nuking, like, enemy units with that unit, which was really fun. We saw Tyranids do really well. And then, of course, Harlequins, which... Are still incredibly strong in Hail of Doom as well. Mm -hmm. Did, was How do you that, say that? Was that your top eight? Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to know uh, what what was your top eight? Was it just was it that like two Harlequins, Jakari, uh, two Harlequins, myself? Here, I'll I'll pull uh -huh. the top eight up right now for you. All right. So um, while he's doing uh, that, Adam, what were you gonna ask? It's surprising that's not that's not the only time we saw a unit of Centurions performing well. Stephen Box yeah. in his Blood Angels mm -hmm. list took a unit of five mm -hmm. also, and he was yep. say, he, up into I think the sisters game where he lost he was calling them his mvp yeah. um, unfortunately the sisters game they just copped 10 repentance to the face and exploded but and then apart from that he was yeah he was touting them as the the secret tech because apart from them everything else in his army was uh well apart from the incursors and like five assaults and uh, assault intercessors everything else was the standard jump pack marines he yeah. had you know the three into sangar one new death company one new, he even had one unit of assault marines um yeah. with jump packs which actually performed pretty well for him as well because he had a uh, a six man that was going to do an r d and then running off and charging stuff but uh yeah what do you think it is about the assault insurance that makes them uh, more palatable now gents um, I think, well, Armor Contempt is a huge help, right? Armor Contempt it has helped Marines just all over the place. And then Blood Angels just do very well in the current meta because of their Sanguinary Guard. Uh, the speed that they have combined with the defensive bonuses that Marines got in general. Um, you know, just... So, like, for example, the, the Salamanders player, you know, he was running... Like your dreadnoughts and a crazy unkillable chaplain on a bike that was a salamander chaplain and things like that. But we did see ultramarines, you know, in that sort of like it, up in the top five, right? So we had Harlequins, Harlequins, myself. We had Sisters of Battle, right? Go four and one. The only game uh, that Sisters player lost was against my horde army of doom. Um, you know, then we had uh, Ultramarines, Genius Occult, and then Eldari, and then some Mechanicus and stuff. And then it kind of like flipped and flopped as we went over. But needless to say, Sisters, for example, I played against that Sisters player. I'm not surprised they won. Sisters are, they, they have some crazy cool builds. And they will catch you off guard if you haven't practiced against them recently. Yeah. Like, they have that one character that can just, like, deal damage to itself and then just, like, dump 14 mortal wounds onto something. Mm -hmm. That thing's crazy. Yeah. That is nuts. The Blade of Sacrifice. Yeah. One of my favorite relics. Yeah. I think it's gnarly. So, you had, a, like, a, a nice spread. Um, Centurions, again, with uh, uh, with Marines. I, I, I remember talking to uh, Steven during a BAO, and he was saying that... Uh, um, people would try to focus them down. Um, but I, I don't know if I heard this incorrectly, but then he would just like res them uh, afterwards. Uh, so okay. like during the course of a game, he would res like four of them. So they were always his MVP because like they would just never die, um, which sounds like nutty. Um, 
but yeah, this armor of contempt is really helping out. And even for sisters, like sisters coming up uh, as well. Do you think that that it's because of armor of contempt, or do you think that people are just like getting more time in with sisters now? It's the duality of sisters being um, possibly. Actually, I'll throw Sascari in a second uh, as to you know which is the which which army benefited the most from armor of contempt because I think there's like three contenders for that title. I th I personally think it's sisters benefited the most, um, but. Um, it's because sisters have the duality of having amazing units to use armor contempt on, um, and then in addition being bloody rose and having good anti-armor contempt units, um, things like Zephyrum, um, Repentia, even Sacrosin sometimes, Paragon Warsuits, all getting max value of extra um, goodness from bloody rose into armor of contempt whilst benefiting from the maximum amount from themselves. I think uh, subtly as well, their change from getting a miracle dice every battle round mm. to every player turn oh. has made like the miracle dice mechanic much more reliable. It gives them access Dude. to a better secondary. It also yeah. means that they can get those reliable charges off uh, more frequently earlier in the game as they're getting more chances to generate those uh, those miracle dice. Yeah, like you just telling me the best part of their book, the miracle dice got twice as good now, twice as reliable, twice you got twice as many chances to get it, get the rolls you need on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of I, course they're going to get a lift out of that. You, you know, I yeah. could have sworn that like the whole point of their new book was to make it so that their miracle dice was a little bit less. Now you're telling me that there's more. Is that is that? Is yeah, that what you're I think me? they. I think they went too far. I mean, so yeah. I think the previous book had a few too many ways to manipulate to get exactly whatever dice or like the, whatever you rolled almost didn't matter for the first couple of times you wanted to use them because you spent a couple of extras and go, oh, oh, it did this roll, it did this roll, and you always ended up with the number you wanted. And this one, they kept some of that manipulation, as in you can spend CP to manipulate your your rolls when you need them, etc., or you can take wallet traits to re-roll and whatnot. But they didn't give you the quantity, the bucket that you had in the previous. And I feel like they went, they realized they went too far. Like, especially when you look at what, you know, oh, cool, Eldari get five. Yeah, strands of fate. Turn, yeah, and they're all turn. sixes. They what? Five, and they're, yeah, they're all sixes. Okay, so what we did with the sisters was unreasonable. Let's bring them up a little bit, you know? Yeah, well, all in all, like, yeah. I think you'd hit the nail on the head. Armor Contempt, and they can kill Armor Contempt units, but it's not mm. just that. I feel like the. You know, Sisters of Battle players have moved away from what was considered traditionally the best Sisters of Battle, like, army, which was, like, Retributors and this and that. And now we're seeing a lot more Sisters players that are taking the, the faction more seriously dive into some of the more nuanced builds. You know, the list that I was playing against was two blocks of 20 Sisters. It had eight of the... Um, uh, not of the like, not the penitent engines, but the other ones. The mortifiers. Uh, the mortifiers with like double heavy flamer on each one, mm -hmm. right? And it had you know it had some repentia and a rhino for like some hit. It had a big uh, some zephyrim had more of them full. A couple of priests and inquisitor for some like psychic interrogation action and a couple of novitiate units. And those novitiate units have a stupid amount of attacks, <laughs> like. With Bloody Rose. They are crazy. And it's one of those things that it's not something that I would have considered a traditional um, Sisters of Battle army. But like when you play against it, you realize how well developed lists can be when people put time and effort into playing their faction. Yeah, and I feel like that, that, that we're seeing that a lot as of right now. Like even at, uh, at BAO, people were saying that uh, Jesse's list wasn't uh, as optimized um, as it can be. But like... And then we even had like a Hydra player uh, for Tyranids getting to like second place at like a major. I, I, I feel like that what's happening right now is that we're kind of, we've slightly moved a little bit away from, you know, your cut and paste or copy paste uh, list winning every single event. And now people are trying to get more nuanced with their armies, um, whether it's like the top performing armies or the ones that are getting like 50% win rates. Would you guys agree with that? Yep. We, I would. We, uh, so whenever you see... A, a broad strokes buff to numerous factions you usually it's usually accompanied with some um diverse diversifying of the meta so whenever you see you know like a balanced data slate like we just had that gave you know a whole range of lower middle factions a boost um it cha it rattles every cage 
of every other list, with the exception of like the one or two best ones. In this case, Halo Doom and um, Tyranids probably just get to play exactly whatever they whatever they feel best without any adjustments. Um, but then everyone else kind of has to allocate something, have to have to shift in some ways. And within those granularities, there's always places for people to carve out their own niche, which I find always the mo- one of the most exciting parts of any meta. Uh, like you know what salamanders you know where salamanders was was possibly for a, a good three months at the start of ninth edition the best space marines faction and then they were completely unheard of like they absolutely disappeared they dropped off and now one small one small change well two big changes <laughs> so that was a lie um of armor contempt in addition to no rerolls to wound and they are possibly the best uh, and so, eg, now everyone has to allocate resources to being okay against salamanders. Uh, so yeah. everyone's ideas of what they can and can't take changes. Uh, it's a, it's always the most exciting time. Like following a decent balance patch, starter slate, chapter approved, whatever you want to call it. The next two to three months is always like the best times. The best times, because especially as an analyst, where you just get there and you get to see freaking Hydra on the table. And I got to say, Hydra is an extremely exciting way to play Tyranids, and it is the most. Ev- it's the most thematic and evocative build as well. Uh, what what Matt uh, was playing, it looked sorry, Michael. It looked so good on the table. It was freaking crazy. Yeah, you get your plus ones to hit. Uh, monsters even count as five for that as well. As long as you mm-hmm. outnumber your opponent, you get like two different ways to reroll wound rolls in melee combat. It's it's so much fun, oh, dude. I love. It's it. almost like the um, like the resurrection of um, of monster whatever mesh. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but Russia? like, but yeah. Y- yeah, but like, you know, you still have Hormagons and stuff that you can still run. Um, I, I have, I had one friend that went to a GT recently, got uh, second place and he was running a Jormungandr. Um, and the reason why he did that was so then he could get the Lurk biomorphology so then he can use his Molochs to steal objectives away from people. Lurk is so good. I, I yeah. read Lurk and I was like, Lurk is probably the best biomorphology. Like when I read the Codex. But everybody just went for like the main traits of like the other high fleets. Yeah, lurk, lurk is nice by far the best. It's nice to see the, the folks who are using lurk. Like, yeah, lurk is more really good. frequently. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, you were saying uh, the three armies that ben- that really benefited from armor of contempt. Um, you said that one of them was sisters of battle. What were the other two that you were uh, gonna say were the three that taught? Uh, the other two. Yeah, it's, it's sisters, salamanders, and tisans. Um, are the T-Sons. three biggest beneficiaries of that but change? Not, I think you wouldn't put gray knights in there. Uh, yeah and no. Grey Knights are probably number fourth in that equation. I okay. put I like put they, they, Sal- Salamanders is number three in that equation, and you could you could equally say Salamanders and Grey Knights uh, got the same amount of mileage there, um, because Grey Knights got a whole new playbook in the Paladins being a venerable, incredible baller ass choice again. Um, where the Salamanders across the board got the lack of band effect of also getting the slap back of no rolls to wound in addition to all the buffs and benefits of armor contempt. So I put them a touch higher than Grey Knights. T-Sun's just like, <laughs> oh, my whole army got like 35% more durable and the special rules we had from like all this dust now matter like so much more. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, we can party now. Like T-Sun's went from being like middling at best to being probably the most durable for point army in the game. Yeah. But I feel like that the thing that still holds them back a little bit is just like the amount of complexity that there is in that army and trying to run it for like a six to nine round event and how much memory yeah. space you have to have in your head. Dude, it's their order. They're the only, I think only MSU um, Eldari has more taxes on order of operations. Like, okay, I must, I must shoot that. I must battle focus perfectly. See what I roll. See what happens. See where I go. Yeah. Think ahead. Where's it going to be? Um, the Cabal, the usage of Cabal powers in addition to who casts first and in what order um, is such a huge tax on the brain for T-Suns. In addition, the only other punishing part of that book is the fact they have no speed. Like you have no speed. If they had like a jump pack rubric unit, like that book would be so much. Anything that wasn't being something similar to like um, Triarch Praetorians, you know, like yes, a Necron perfect. style Triarch yep. Praetorian guy with like a big staff, but like a thousand cents. I mean, they could just buff like the Enlightened a little bit more. If they made the Enlightened a little bit more palatable, actually do some a bit more damage. I don't mind actually like one or two units of three Enlightened to do some skirmish work, but you can't rely on them like a backbone like you can with Sangard, Vanguard Vets, things of that ilk. Um, yeah. So if they if they just had a little bit more speed, especially on a unit on an obsec unit, they they'd be they'd almost be S tier straight up. They'd almost be like one of the best armies, like uh, trading with the best armies in the game. As it's right now. Um, 
they play a very stable, static, predictable game a lot of the time if they're taking all the all the Scarabur Colts and Rubrics. And the best players are out there are able to figure out how to mess with that plan. Now, um, speaking of Praetorians, and the reason why I bring this up is because at every point when there's like a meta Monday, there's always like Necron players being like, womp womp. Um, yeah. What, where are Necron sitting right now with, with Armor of Contempt? Like, how did that mess with them? You want to take a scary? Yeah, well, it, Necrons are... I'll, I'll, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Necrons suffer from having a balanced codex. In the sense that they... There's nothing flashy. They, they just do their thing and they do it well, but they, they a lot of the times don't have enough oomph to sort of like push right over the cusp of the meta builds that are out there. You know, there's some really cool Necron builds, but they always tend to sort of like fall short at that like right at the last, you know, part of the mile run, you know, where like they, they the, the, the wheels fall off the bus. So I'm not, as for Armor Contempt, I have seen Necron players gravitate more towards Novok for the extra AP, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Um, I've, I've seen them gravitate more towards anything of the, like heavy destroyers that have like decent AP, you know, things like things of that nature. Um, but to be honest, I think Armor Contempt isn't really a, the thing that Necrons, you know, should be worried about. I think there's a variety of mechanics that that Games Workshop could fix that help Necrons, namely the, the how, you know, reanimation protocols works with multiple wound models, you know, other things that have nothing to do with Armor Contempt. Uh, Armor Contempt has just made Space Marines better. Has it made Necrons worse into Space Marines? Sure. You know, but they weren't exactly the best into Space Marines before, right? So I don't think it's as much of a deal as some people have been saying. I'm, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a Necrons army of renown yet. Me too. That's like, what I was going to say. That's crazy. Uh, they, they should have a supplement and an army of renown already. Like, yeah. Yeah. who remembers the Decurion detachment? Raise hands. Me, I do. I do. Sorry. I remember the Decurion detachment. So, uh, um, uh, okay, man, how about, how about we... you run it through me? I don't. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, this was in what seventh oh, edition. Back in my day. <laughs> back in the day, there was this wonderful Necron Codex that was created by he who shall not be named. Um. Who was it, by the way? Who wrote the book? <laughs> I don't know. I ain't go. I ain't going there. I mean, you're not going there. Um, okay, so if anybody wants to leave a comment, let us know. Um, but the book was really good. It had like some silly things called um, uh, uh, mind shackle scarabs. If you don't remember what those were, they were basically Yikes. if you were in, if you were in combat with a Necron character that had mind shackle scarabs, you had to roll like a leadership test on three dice, and if you failed. Your unit just sat there and did nothing as it like drooled. Mm-hmm. It and was essentially Necron... so. So if you want to be crazy, that was essentially the first time we saw fights last, like true mm-hmm. fights last mm-hmm. in the game. Oh, it's more actually it's more similar to the Selenesh gem. Yes, the, where you uh, just turn, yeah. turn someone off in a in a phase. Mm-hmm. But it would be like you just turn you just turn your unit off, and it was the most frustrating thing. Um, and then they combined it with these new detachments that they decided to put out. And these new detachments ended up being a variety of things over 7th edition. You you had, like, the the one that allowed Riptides to fire twice. You had the one that um, gave Space Marines free Rhinos for their whole army. Um, you had one that, was, that gave any upgrade you wanted for your Adeptus Mechanics army and your Knight for free. So, you know... These armies like got crazy, but the first one was called the Decurion Detachment. And it was a specific way of playing your list where you gave all your Necrons basically a 4-plus feel-no-pain. And it made Necrons stupidly hard to kill. So yeah. so no. what you're saying is that they they just took that and then gave it to you guys, to, to Jakari. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Although nowadays, but nowadays, I will say though, the gate, the killiness of the game has gone way up. Yeah. So like, mm. <laughs> it's it's close, but not the same. Not even not not really the same. Yeah. Now to uh, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Necrons suffer from firstly, they've got two two of their core things are just non impactful. They're just non they don't even touch the sides as far as, you know, level of power required in ninth edition. That being their protocols and that mm-hmm. being their spe- their um, special rules in, in reanimation. Um 
So their protocols in Protocol of Southern Storm of, you know, Hungry Void, all that stuff is just that the buffs aren't good enough to be worth the time. In addition, um, the way the mechanic works isn't uh, modular or interactive enough to be customizable. You have to put them down in such a way that means you have to predict the game perfectly, the flow of it perfectly. Um, I love that, to be honest. I wish everyone had that. I wish everyone's um, mono-faction bonuses and things like that were just as punitive and just as hard to pull off, because then you know, everyone would be on the same thing. Like, cause, So there could be a balanced data slave for Necrons that says, just pick which one you want every turn for your yeah. protocols. Yeah. And that reworks reanimation um, entirely for multi-wound units. Um, as in, um, instead of getting stuff back on um, full wounds, you have to roll all their wounds, you get them back on one wound, you know? Oh, uh, cool, you killed, you killed five, uh, five uh, wraiths. Well, I rolled four five-ups. I get one full health wraith and one wraith on one wound back. And right. you do it like you do it like that. Um, that would me that would be just such a freaking game changer for so many in, in so many ways. But the protocols would still be weak by ninth edition mono bonus standards. But at least they you'd have some flexibility. You could choose to fall back and charge. You know when you needed it. You could choose the combat one when you needed it, rather than just having to be an uber big brain genius and pray and hope it all falls into place. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go, Necron players. I know that I just feel bad because like every single time that I see like a meta Monday or I see anything about 40k and like what's the meta I just I always see Necrons just being like sad noises like it's just it just feels bad well, in, in addition so I'll just say this straight up the thing two things I said would not fix Necrons the Necrons have a fundamental problem of um, their shooting is actually garbage because either it is long range and ridiculously variable d6 shots of d6 damage is never a good profile worth relying upon or it's too close range to matter um, so you can get really close and shoot people and then you die or you can stay back and hope you roll appropriately and then you know they still probably don't die so even if they did fix all those things their their profiles just aren't good enough I, I haven't been looking into the meta um, recently for like a, a little bit over, like a little bit for this uh, for this current month. Um, what, what how is it shaping up right now? I know that there was like a Tyranids FAQ. Uh, there was Armor of Contempt, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you had some nerfs with Tau. You had some nerfs with Harlequins and stuff like that. Uh, what what is the meta like shaping up to be as of right now? Like who, who's the strongest? Like, uh, what what are people supposed to be looking out for? Things like that. Uh, I th I think from my mind, Leviathan Tyranids is probably sitting in pole position, at least stats wise. I would um, agree I with that. I think yeah, Tyranids in general, like Tyranids are a stats army, right? Yeah, it's and, a very and then like sheet. Leviathan just kind of like Pushes elevates it. them to that yeah. like stupidness level. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um. So I think they're number one. I I it's my opinion that Hail of Doom masterful shots is. Well, while I do not believe Asuriani is the second best, um, I think the Hail of Doom archetype in particular is the second best build in the game. It's weird to talk about this. Like, if we talked about the second best faction in the game, I think it's up for debate between um, possibly even, uh, like, Sisters Tau um, Eldar. You could, you could make an argument for especially sister especially sorry especially tower and elder you can make an argument which one is number two and number three there but i think hail of doom specifically if you're talking about the best list in the game hail of doom's absolutely second place um 100 yep i would agree with that um they uh they, they are the closest thing we have now to a no line of sight shooting army because not because they can't shoot things out of line of sight, even though like they can just move a billion inches and do it, it's because they're not, they're the closest thing to a non-interactive army still in the game, because they can shoot two uh, at minimum two assets, premium assets a turn, and then have them jump back behind obscuring terrain, as in by by the auto six battle focus and fire and fade, you can have two max units of wind riders buffed for, with with a punitive amount of miracle dice, pseudo miracle dice, fate dice, so you get all your buffs off even through denies, and then they just jump up, shoot all your stuff dead, and jump back down. And in addition, you can have like Baharoth and Swooping Hawks doing the same, doing the same thing. Um, yeah, and then in the so, meantime, you just put a bunch of chaff in front of that. Just, just gum them up while the bikes and, yeah. and hawks do the work. Um, and then they have like possibly, in my opinion, one of the best five um, model melee units in the game in Howling Banshees. Uh, fully buffed one unit of five Howling Banshees with the appropriate build on the Exarch is as good as any other person's five-man melee unit in the game, I believe. Um, and so they've also got some of the very close to some of the best in slot picks 
for different for different archetypes. Uh, and then lastly, Eldritch Storm is just a gut check, like just such a gut check I've to a lot of different builds. I've seen Storm do so many mortal wounds. I've also seen it fall flat on its face, but I've also seen it do right. close to forty models. So you know, it's a gut uh, check. Yeah, it def. It, if you, it's like puts my Void Ravens to shame, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the fact that you still play those at all is hilarious. I love them. They're so fun. <laughs> anyway. So um, after that, what would you say would be like a third place or like third best type of list, uh, fourth and fifth? I feel like uh, Blood Angels are up there, to be honest. You know, the, I think it's easy to kind of lay out the top two, right? You've got Tyranids, you've got Eldar, right? Then then the next higher, I would say Harlequins, but they're kind of like they mm -hmm. can be mixed in with Eldar or whatever. Harlequins are still incredibly, incredibly strong, right? Totally um, and then And then the, lot, the next like five could kind of go in any order you know you've got you got like blood angel space marines which are doing very well you got sisters of battle which have like the tools that do really well as well you got a variety of like i think drukari is still up there even though their win rate might not reflect that in the current like meta analysis the faction has a lot of the tools you need to win the game into mm. a lot of the top builds right now as well um and then you've got i think tau still up there right like they'll still yeah. mess you up if you're not careful um and uh, and those would be like the next top, I would say four. I hundred percent think the top four is uh, Tyranids is the only one locked in at number one. Two, three, four depends on the meta, depends on the the event. Uh, you know, um, you know, is it player plays? Is it WTC? Is it ITC? Is it whatever? Um, and then it is just whichever pick your pick your poison. It is Asiriani, Harlequins, Tau in the in whatever order you please, and then you start getting into probably. Sisters of Battle probably makes top five for my mind. Okay, so like I guess what I'm hearing from you guys is that so so the 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 meta that I'm hearing from you guys right now sounds like actually pretty healthy. It sounds like that there's a lot of stuff that people can do as of right now. Like there's a lot of armies that are can be in contention. It's it's one of the healthiest it's been in ninth edition, which unfortunately is. isn't saying a lot because ninth edition has been a bit of a cluster um, of oh, uh, down. yeah 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 well. <laughs> We had a we when Eld, when Drakari came out, we had Drakari insurmountable for three months, and then um, and then Admec came out, and then we had Drakari and Admec. Just no one else could compete. There was such a huge gap between those. I still feel like we have three dominant factions that most people can't, but at least we have like three dominant factions that can all tech into each other very well. And if they yeah. tech into each other, then stuff below them can sneak into those gaps, you know, and have opportunities. Um, as soon as you only have two, as soon as you have one or, or only two factions that are predominant at the top, everyone else can't can't compete by default. Um, it's just a two-man two race. When you get to three or four top factions, everyone else kind of gets more and more opportunities to have a say and, and to kind of inject different builds and different archetypes. Um, perfect example is the Void Weavers. Sorry, the the yeah the void the void waivers were so good, nothing else need apply. No one else could had any opportunity to compete against void waivers. Yeah. Um, it, it was just too much. There was one faction that was supreme above every else everyone else, and no one could even get close. Even Talis, like that was so tuned to kill voids, I saw just getting run over. Does that sound accurate to you, Scary? Like, is that does that make sense to you? As soon as we get enough diverse, like enough yeah. top faction diversity, right, other I... factions. It, like you still Get you just have to tweak a little bit of the the Tyranid stuff and the Eldar stuff that's like at that over sixty percent win rate, right? Mm. Tweak a little bit, you know, and then, and then you know, and then and then it'll the rest of the metal, you know, if has a chance, a much better chance yeah. of competing when they don't have to deal with you know, like undercosted this or undercosted that or whatever. Right. Would you all say? Right, right. Would you guys say that the that the meta is like a little bit better than what it was uh, before, like with uh, Tower Custodes? Like not counting the Eldar book. Like, like let's say that that was like a lost child and like that never existed for a bit. What would you say that that this meta that we're in right now was better than that, or would you say it's just the same? I think I... a good meta is a meta that is constantly changing. So the so fact it's... that it is a constantly changing meta, I think, is a good thing. Without without um without Asuriani, without the Eldar book right now, Tyranids would be the Drakari. Uh, the insurmountable juggernaut, untouchable on top of the hill. Like I agree. um 
it, it's only the Hail of Doom that's kind of keeping a lot of the Tyranid list from just being... Uh, well, sorry, you want to talk about what that Custodes list would be like into Tyranids? Every Tyranid would be list would just be double Maliceptor, no Custodes make it over the halfway point of the table. They all just get smited before they even cross. Um, so that's... And, and, the, that same build would be very good into Tau, of course. Um, but yeah, so it'd be only Tau that could really rattle Tyranids. And even then, they would be far worse off at it without having a foil in the Eldar book there to curb them. So if you took the Eldar book out and still had the Tyranid book, yeah. But I do think things are better now than they were when it was um, just Tau and um, uh, Custodes. Because C- C- Custodes were a little bit more of a feel-bads army than I th- feel like some of them are now actually that might just be my perception because i've yeah that might not be true sorry i'll take that one back it's it's i feel like it's better because there's more factions in, in contention rather than two we got three or four um hot fix uh, adam if uh, i'm gonna crack my knuckles next balanced data slates being written exclusively by me um tyranids just points i think i think could fix tyrannies right now but I think Asuriani needs points changes in addition to um, bracketing CP on a couple of their strats. Like if you want to fire and fade a unit of more than five models, I think it should cost more CP. Um, and then try and, and bleed them out that way a little bit more. Same, the battle focus one can stay, can grow from one to two or whatever. Um, so that's a good fix there. Medium bugs for Tyranids is where the problem is in that book. If you solve the medium bug um, points efficiency, that book would be quite reasonable, I believe. How do you feel about that, Scary? Yeah, like, all in all, like, I, I do agree. Tyranids, definitely, there's a lot of stuff that's undercosted in that book. Eldar, it's not just a, it's not just a point thing, it's sort of like rule mechanics thing. Being able to just, like, Ignore math uh, is just fantastically silly. Uh, that, right? Yeah, and one one miracle dice per sorry one fate dice per unit per phase. No more Kurnov's bow dropping three freaking hit dice on one model. Um, it's you know, and that's the that's one the one hopefully, one unit hopefully, gets to get one fate dice per phase. Yeah, and hopefully, like that and luck dice, for example, could be tweaked and stuff. You know, that definitely a big you know you could you could kind of debate this ad nauseum based on like what the meta is at the moment. I, w- I was very surprised on the FAQ for Tyranids. I feel like I thought that was going to be more uh, heavy handed than it was uh, when it Me came too. out. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very strange. I did like how they changed heard the prey though. So that's, that's good at least. Cause that was broken. Oh, you like, mean, the... you mean circle the prey? Oh, circle, circle the prey. prey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that is going to be it for this episode. Uh, we did ramble a little bit long for this one. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Skari, how about uh, you plug yourself on everywhere that people can see you? Well, um, since it's been a while since I've been on the show, because <laughs> I was regrowing in the Dark City after my <laughs> inevitable demise, um, I'm back. You can find me on YouTube. Head on over to Scardcast on youtube and then all the links to social media the patreon all that good stuff right on there so you can uh find out more about what i'm doing heck yeah and then what about you adam where can people find you i think that there's a show called, that's like about thursday or something yeah uh, it's got it's very very little to do with stats or analysis it's literally <laughs> talking about how much we love the day thursday um you know shops are open later late night shopping you know we, we ramble on for a bit no on thursdays uh, you can catch us live on the frontline gaming network myself the wonderful paul murphy who i also am on forge the narrative with um in addition to dustin henshaw we, we are your weekend hype show you can listen in and hear about all the amazing big bad events coming up in your pre, sorry pre-weekend um you get excited for where you can go and catch the coverage who's in attendance what's the meta looking like we run down what factions are being represented what numbers so usually we'll cover um three different events from three different parts of the world if we can if that is such a diversity that we have and the control we try and get a teams event in there every now and then also and yeah it's a really good time come and join us um yeah thursday's nine eastern standard time and also i'm on art of war down under and part of the art of war team uh which is a review podcast that comes out tuesday mornings jump on there if you're all at all interested it's uh the whole purpose of that show is so you can try and keep up with the game without having to buy every book yeah boy 
just download them, put them on, put them on your iPhone, and then uh, when a TO comes over, just be like, "I got it. It's right here." And then I just <laughs> timestamp yeah. it to when Adam yeah. Camilleri's voice. Is yeah, listen to me reading something out wrong and, <laughs> yeah. and having the wrong impression of it. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, upcoming as well. Uh, speaking of the Thursday show, we have a 40k stat center that uh, Val has been working on for a bit uh, to kind of challenge the Thursday show as well. Thursday show uh, talks about their predictions and what's coming up and uh, the stuff that's happening. And then uh, the 40K Stat Center basically goes over them, says uh, what happened and and, uh, if their predictions were correct, things like that. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, I know that Val's working on that. So keep your eyeballs open for that as that starts hitting your feeds uh, when uh, we get that all set up for you guys. But that is it. Thank you guys for watching. If you guys like this uh, episode, make sure you guys leave a thumbs up. Make sure you guys share it with your grandmas and your grandpapas. All that good stuff. And we will see you guys on the next one. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.